0: Good morning, Timber Creek Church. I am Jeff Anderson, honored to be with you today. Can we just give Jesus one more hand just like that? Can we just do that today and say thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Super excited to be here at Timber Creek. Pastor Jeremy and Janet, the team, you are blessed to be where you are with the leadership that you have and what Jesus is doing in this place, amen? I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to have my wife traveling with me today. She's on the front row. Mary, she's been my wife for 35 years. We met at Bethany Bridal. I mean, Bethany Bible College, many years ago, and uh, we're honored to be here. We pastored two and a half decades before joining the team at Convoy. We've been there 11 years, so pretty, pretty cool. What's going on? Well, there's a tree in Italy. I want to show you real quick. It grows upside down. Uh, happened to be in Italy a couple of years ago. It's in the ancient vault of the Greek of the Roman baths. Uh, within the archeological complex of Baia, And this tree grew above the vault for decades. And it got so annoying, it weakened the structure. So they decided, because it was compromised, they decided to cut the trunk up top. But after a short time, the roots that hung from the ceiling of the vault began to mutate. They turned into branches, and this tree grows upside down and still produces fruit, and that is my life in the last 20 months. Does anybody feel that way? Like, hey, Jesus, you could take my upside down world and the world that we've been immersed into as a culture, as a world, and yet saying, God, after after feeling this way the last year and a half, you might feel cut down, you might feel upside down, but how many of you know you're still alive, you're here today, and Jesus is alive and well? And he wants to do something wonderful in your life. So honored to be with you today. This is my tribe. And this is one of the main reasons I do what I do. Obviously, the call of the Lord on my life, but uh, this is my amazing family and my tribe. Uh, I am blessed to have three daughters, and now I have three granddaughters. And the only way we get boys is my girls get married. So I have two son-in-laws, three beautiful daughters, three beautiful granddaughters, and we are blessed uh, today. So I just want you to know that uh, one of the reasons I do what I do as I travel a lot and speak a lot across the country, is that when I get home, it's good to be home, it's good to be with family, isn't it, uh, when you're doing that. So thank you again, Pastor Jeremy, for this opportunity. Today is a Feed One Sunday at Timber Creek where you just take uh, this information that you're gonna get and be, have a chance to respond to help us feed some kids. Convoy of Hope was started 27 years ago and really it's a tangible expression of hope and help many of you in this room have supported Convoy. This church has been an early adopter of Feed One where you're sponsoring kids every single month, $10 a month, $120 a year feeds one of our kids. But um, Matthew 28 talks about the good news and the gospel of the Great Commission going forward and saying, hey, before that happens, we need a demonstration of the gospel, Matthew 25. And so Matthew 25 and Matthew 28 is what we do at Convoy, helping people in times of disasters, in times of food insecurity, when they need clean and pure water, whatever it may be, that's what Convoy does to show up and not only do that, but to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. So how many of you think that's a good idea? It's better than kicking food off the back of trucks, right? How many of you know a hot meal is one thing, but sharing eternal hope, is a game changer for a life. And I sense that here at Timber Creek as well. So there was a mom preparing a pancake breakfast for her two boys, Scotty and Charlie, and the boys argued over who would get the first pancake and their mom saw the perfect opportunity for a moral lesson. This is typical mom. She said, boys, hold on a minute. If, let, me, let me just tell you, if Jesus was sitting right here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Well, the two boys sat silent. Then the five-year-old Scotty turned to his younger brother, Charlie, and said, okay, Charlie, you be Jesus. (laughs) Somebody has gotta be Jesus in the world that we're living in right now. I was talking to somebody this week how they think the world's mean and getting colder and meaner, and yet, as I travel, I I meet people who are serving actually care. I mean, people who are at their jobs and who are trying to care and who are trying to have a good attitude. But somebody in this room and somebody in this world needs to be Jesus with skin on to a world that's desperate. And you are doing that through Convoy of Hope here at Timber Creek. Well, there's a table and chair on the platform as if you didn't notice. And uh, thank you to the team who set this up for me. So this table has four legs. This table has four chairs. Just remember that. Convoy of Hope has four main initiatives that we work on, and I'm gonna talk about the first one right now. It's called Disaster Services. So this first leg is Disaster Services. When there's a disaster in the world, nationally or internationally, Convoy usually responds with a church partner. You can't imagine the difference, your compassion, and the difference people made during the pandemic. Convoy of Hope set out to deliver 10 million meals to those who needed it most during the pandemic? Well, today we have served over 400 million meals. We set out a large goal and some of the uh, graphics that you're about to see would articulate some of the work that we've done. Not only Hurricane Ida pummeling the Gulf Coast, nearly 3.4 million meals delivered, 250,000 people served. Just get this, 140 tractor trailers end-to-end, rolling down to the Hurricane Ida response. That's how many tractor-trailers Convoy of Hope sent down there. Not only that, we're working in Haiti, 6.5 million meals with another 5 million meals on the way. You can see some of these images, hard-hit areas where Convoy, one of the legs on this table is disaster services, where we just simply say, God, we're gonna show up, we're gonna help people in Jesus' name with no strings attached. So this is... Uh, Afghan refugees, of course, this picture went viral. And uh, our team, we are working currently with Afghan refugees in different parts of this country. And of course, the West Coast fires, the drought that they're experiencing, which according to some of my family, it's just been liquid sunshine for the last six days in California. Unfortunately, they're getting all of the rain at one time. So now they're gonna be dealing with mudslides, hallelujah. Life in California. But uh, how many of you know Texas is great? You guys, you guys, I'm telling you, every time I come to, I love Texas. I love, this is my first time to be in Lufkin, but uh, we love Texas. Mary and I explored a little bit of Houston the other day. We walked by Minute Maid Stadium. It's like, Jesus, help the Braves to lose. Obviously, (laughs) we can't, (laughs) we can't pray like that. But how many of you find yourself praying like that? So Afghan refugees, very tough stuff, Cal Fire's. But uh, that's one of the legs on on this table. That's that's one of the legs that support the hope that people experience around the world. The second leg is our children's feeding initiative. And Feed One is the ultimate engine to feed kids around the world through Convoy. Currently feeding 378,000 children in 21 nations the only hot meal that they'll receive. Guess what does that? Feed One. People like you, people like me who just simply say, hey, I got 10 bucks a month, or I, I sponsor uh, six kids a month because I have three daughters and I have three granddaughters. And so I just, I'm just thinking, hey, you know, a few less Starbucks, a few less mad money moments that I would spend money on, 60 bucks a month. Uh, some of you can do, will do less. Some of you can do more. But to say $10 can still make a difference. This church has been on board for us for years. Maybe you need to start. Sponsoring some kids, maybe you need to hit the refresh button and say, hey, I'm gonna take uh, this challenge. I'm gonna go to a new level in my giving. Feed One supports Convoy's children's feeding initiative. Through this campaign, you can meet the present need of food, the future need of education, and the eternal need of exposure to the gospel. $10 a month, you provide a child with food every school day for an entire month. So my driving passion, is for children all over the world to have food, to have access to clean water, a bright future, and most importantly, a clear message of Jesus and how much he loves them, amen? And that's a good thing. I I took a tour this morning. I mean, I met no strangers walking with Pastor today, Mary and I. We were just cruising this facility and I just wanted to put it in park in the kids' area. You know, it's just pure fun. How many of you know that's fun? And uh, I I just wanna say, Why not other people's kids? We would do the same for our kids. A chance to hear the gospel, Feed One does all of that. Here are some of those beautiful kids in our program. As I said, 387,000 kids each school day. And here's what's interesting. Last night, half a billion people went to bed hungry on the planet. Today, 16,000 children will perish because they do not have access to nutritional food and clean water. And for us at Convoy, that is unacceptable. And I I don't think God's okay with that either. And so today we have a chance to be part of the solution. One of the kids, moms in El Salvador, as I was taking a team of pastors through, the mom stopped me, very uncharacteristic of this El Salvadorian woman. She had two bags of groceries and a boy on each arm. So just picture this, a busy mom, a tired mom, two bags of groceries, two kids, two boys. They were just like, shaking her arm off, and she stopped me, and she said, do you work for Convoy of Hope? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, thank you for the food. And I said, you're welcome. But I said, it's all the churches across America that support Convoy, and she goes, will you thank them for me? And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, tell me your story. She goes, well, she's got these two boys, bouncing her arms off, bags of food shaken. She said, this weekend, I don't have to choose who doesn't get to eat in my home. And for a split second, I thought, I just wanna run back to the bus and weep and bawl my eyes out. Because the Holy Spirit used that in that moment. Her name was Angelica. And I said, Angelica, thank you for telling me your story. She said, it's a terrible thing when you have to tell your kids they can't eat today because we don't have enough food. She said, feed one and one day, make the difference in our lives today. So we believe this, that convoy, an empty stomach has no ears. So today, people that are struggling with the mental capacity and, and the, physical, the physiological response to starvation and malnutrition, their heads are hurting, their bodies are aching, their stomachs are distending, their joints are achy, and it's just because they don't have something good to eat and clean water to drink. So we feel like that's unacceptable. Convoy of Hope, by 2025, wants to be serving 500,000 children every school day. You're helping us make that possible. But by 2030, we would like to be serving 1 million children every single school day in our program. And because of Feed One, you're making that happen. I want to introduce you to a little girl. Her name is Selenia. Had a chance to meet her. Here's her story.
1: It's tough for me to share my story, because it hurts. After we came to live in Almongo, our mom abandoned us. My dad remarried, and his new wife treated us really good. They had my sister, Anna, but not long after that, Anna's mother died. When Anna's mom died, she gave her to me to take care of. Now, Anna treats me like her mom, she calls me mommy. Until recently, my dad didn't have permanent work. Sometimes we didn't see him for three or four days, and we would starve. The worst part was having little kids ask you for food, and you had nothing to give them. The pain they feel, I feel. I never expected it to be this way. But if I have to suffer, I'm going to suffer, especially for Anna. Today they gave me soup, and it was delicious. I ate it all. The first thing I do every day is thank God, because the food that comes from Feed One is a really big help for the kids here. When you're hungry, you feel weak, and it's hard to concentrate on your homework or exams. But when they give me food, it's different. I can concentrate and do good at school, which is going to help me a lot in life. Before my siblings were in school, I used to feel really bad because I was the only one eating. I would eat just a little and take the rest home. They would be so happy when I provided for them. Next year, Anna will be in kindergarten. That's going to be one of the best days of my life because I want her to receive an education. Through all the punches I've received in life, all the suffering, I've learned a lot i learned that you don't give up and now my faith is bigger than my suffering god gives me strength to keep going for me hope is to have faith never give up and keep fighting for what you want
0: children's feeding initiative feed one is such an important part of what God is doing in the world, not only showing compassion, but that seems to be the gateway for kids when they get a hot meal, they go home and tell their parents, they tell their neighborhood, and that opens the door to reaching an entire family, a mom who needs training and skills, um, a dad who needs an opportunity for a job, and the education piece. So all of that works together at Convoy of Hope. Children's feeding, but this next one is really a fun one, it's an amazing one, it's a growing one, it's called agriculture. So the first leg's disaster, the second leg of this table is children's feeding. Well, the third leg would be agriculture and farmers growing more and better foods. We have soil scientists on our team, we have uh, ag specialists that are simulating growth around the world in greenhouses and test sites. We're growing more and better food. Haiti is an example, my last trip to Haiti, we were able to go out to one of the rice farms that were cut off in 1994 because of the US embargo and all kinds of crazy stuff that's happening. Uh, Rwanda was imploding with the genocide. Haiti was imploding with its government and the whole world put an embargo on Haiti. Well, it gutted their manufacturing and agriculture. It's just now coming back online. Beautiful, vast rice farms. the the good corn that is grown there, and the amazing black beans grown in Haiti, our farmers are stepping up to grow more and better food. Here's what's really exciting. Two months ago, 20 metric tons was not only harvested at the the sites in Haiti, but they took a 10th of that and they cycled it into the children's feeding initiative in their own country. Haitian farmers growing the good Haitian food, feeding little Haitians. And that's the point, it provides job, it stimulates the economy, it feeds people, and it gives dignity back to these farmers. Well, that's the third leg. The fourth leg would be women and girls' empowerment. We really feel this is important, and this works together. Empowering a woman, empowering the mom, taking care of girls in many of these countries where girls or females are just maybe one step above an animal in a lot of these countries, and a lot of these cultures, where they are not respected, they don't have a place in society, but we're finding that women and girls' empowerment is a game changer for the future of these kids. For example, we see right now what has recently happened in Afghanistan. One of the number one victims targeted in that are women and girls, because they don't have the opportunity under particular laws to, to move forward, to advance like a man or a boy would. So we're seeing this change their lives. Well, there's a story in Mark 14. I wanna leave this giving principle with you and we'll wrap up. It's about Jesus and his disciples. They're hanging out at Simon the leper's house. And if you're taking notes, and I just dropped my phone. If you're taking notes, uh, you'll wanna take this on the back or, or take your Bible and go back and read today, Mark chapter 14. You're gonna love it or read it this week. It's an amazing story. I'm gonna give you the highlights. Jesus and his disciples hanging out at Simon the leper's house. A woman comes in with a very expensive bottle of perfume. This is pretty much what she has. It's about a year's wage, what it's worth, very expensive. And she comes in, she breaks this thing and pours it over Jesus's head. You've heard songs written about it. You've heard sermons about this. Uh, You might not have heard it put this way. She broke this over Jesus's head and some in the room said, why did she waste that perfume? She literally poured it over him, costly perfume, wiped his feet with her hair, and some watched her give her offering were critical of this extravagant gift. They're like, why did she do that? Why did she go ahead and waste that? Jesus strongly and quickly defended her actions, saying what she has done was beautiful. Well, the story provides a contrast between two attitudes of giving, and I wanna talk about that right now. We have examined these two attitudes. And then there's another big attitude, a time tested principle I'm going to leave with you today. The first attitude is I'm going to give all I can give. I don't know if you know people like this, people that'll give you the shirt off their back type of people, people that show up and put up. I'll never forget being a youth pastor in Denver, Colorado. My wife and I, dual income, no kids to spot our first house. We're really excited. I was at the men's pancake breakfast on Tuesday morning, the men's prayer breakfast, okay? I was 30 years old. I dropped the median age by 30 years, all right? Every dude in the Bible study was 65 and older. I'm the punk youth pastor kid. I come to eat burnt pancakes and pray with the men in the church. Glory to God. You have to pay the price. So I went on Tuesday, and they said, Anderson, how you doing? How's the new job? Welcome to the church. I'm like, great, guys. I need to build a fence. I've never built a fence, but I need to build a fence, They're like, okay, great, well, yeah, good. Okay, well, Jeff needs a fence. We'll pray, and there's about 30 guys. We prayed, all done. Saturday morning at eight o'clock, trucks and trailers, work pouches and boots and men and all kinds of people showed up at my house on Saturday morning to build a fence. They went, got the wood, got the tools, and I never served more Little Caesars pizza and donuts in my life, and two liter bottles, and just like, and then I just stood on my porch and and watched all these guys get in their trucks and trailers and just took off, and I'm like, I'm never gonna forget this day, because I don't know how to build a fence, but they did, and they came, and they served. I will never forget, and we never forget moments of generosity. When people are generous to us, it's like, I remember that. When we're ripped off, unfortunately, we remember that too. I'm gonna give all I can. Mary breaks this bottle and pours the contents on Jesus. I'm gonna give all I can give. This is God's attitude to us today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What motivates people to give all they can give? They love Jesus. They're, they're selfless. They're unselfish. They're grateful debtors. They're grateful people. Well, the second attitude is I'm gonna keep all I can keep. Do you know anybody like this? I'm just gonna keep all I can keep. They're kind of stingy, maybe hoarders. Mark doesn't identify by name who felt this way, but according to John 12, four through six, the gospel writer John identifies the individual who had the biggest problem with it as Judas, the treasurer. It's very interesting. Mark does not mention that in this text. Their attitude, I'm gonna keep all I can keep, is motivated by their own personal agenda. Do you know people like this? It's like, yeah, they they just, they never experienced the power of generosity and giving. They just, uh, and Jesus tells a powerful story to warn his followers about the dangers of greed in Luke 12. And I will tell you the quickest way to spiritual and financial disaster is to keep everything for yourself. Obviously, you're learning this as a church, at Timber Creek, not only do we give tithes and we give offerings and, and uh, we give to missions, we do all that to make life better, but to obey God with what he has given us. We reap what we sow. There's a builder who uh, had for many years, he worked for a building contractor. And one day the owner said, uh, Jim, I'm gonna put you in charge of the next house we build. I want you to order all the materials, I oversee the job from ground up. Well, he accepted the assignment Uh, willingly and gladly, because he's done it all the time. He accepted it with great enthusiasm. He studies the blueprints. He checks every measurement, every spec. And he thought, you know what? If I'm in charge, and he was, why couldn't I cut a few corners, use less expensive materials, put the extra money in my pocket? Who's gonna know the difference? Once the house is finished, it's gonna look great anyway. So he carries out his scheme. He orders second grade lumber, but his reports indicate top grade lumber. He cuts every corner he can in a house's infrastructure from concrete, electric, plumbing, drywall. Yet he reports the purchase of much better materials and indicate that he had done certain work, which in fact he had not done. When the home was completed, he shows it with great pride to the building contractor and owner. His boss he said, you know, his boss said, Jim, what a great job you've done. You've been a good and faithful employee for many, many years. Your work has earned a lot of money from my company. And as a thank you for your years of service, I am giving you the house you just built. Why not build a house of generosity? Because the house that you're building is the house that you have to live in. When it comes to the things of God, and God is saying, hey, uh, I want to bless you. Trust me with what I've given you. You can give all you can give. You can keep all you can keep. So as, as, as this guy, for his years of service, receives this house, it doesn't pay to cut corners. Because there's no other path to generosity other than the path of generosity. And you have to live in the house you build. Well, here's the third time-tested life-changing principle, and here's what's cool for the people of God, and this is it. You can keep all you give. This is crazy. Look at this verse. The scriptures in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Pretty cool verse. So you can't take it with you. So I've done a lot of funerals as a pastor. No, nobody ever had a U-Haul attached to a hearse. Nobody had their boat attached. You know, they didn't take it with them, but you can send it on ahead. You can send what we're doing now for the kingdom of God on earth. When we invest our money in God's kingdom here on earth, the reward is ours for eternity. We can't take it with us, but we can send it ahead. And God promises to bless those who give joyfully and generously. I have a neighbor. His name is Jerry We moved into this neighborhood 11 years ago. He was the neighbor everybody said don't talk to. He's like the neighborhood grouch, right? Doesn't celebrate Halloween. Can you believe it? His his lights will not be on tonight, all right? He uh, scares children, barks at moms walking their kids to school. He's pretty much a grouch. I was warned about Jerry. One August day, I decided to go mow his lawn because it was long and nasty looking. And I just thought to myself, I'm going to uh, go mow his lawn. So I rode my riding lawnmower down the street, every redneck's dream. I pulled in, I mowed his lawn, the last strip of the last swath of his big lawn, I see this dude come out on the porch and just take this position. And he watched me and I stopped. I'm like, I gotta stop, it must be Jerry. I'd never met him. Shut my mower off. He walks down the stoop, extends his hand and he goes, who are you? And I said, I'm your neighbor, two doors down. He goes, you're the guy that works for Convoy of Hope. And I said, yeah. And I said, how'd you know? He goes, people talk. And I said, you're Jerry. He goes, how'd you know? I said, neighbors talk. (laughs) And he goes, hang on a second. He goes in his house, grabs a can, a tall boy can of Coors and a green apple. And he comes out on the porch. He said, you want a beer? And I said, nope. And he said, do you want the apple? And I said, yeah, so he gives me the apple. He cracks the beer for the next hour and 10 minutes. Jerry unpacked his story of his life. And it was in that moment that I realized I am not a good neighbor. I went over to Moa's lawn, that's what I thought. But God sent me over there to plant some seeds of hope and life in a neighbor that really people had avoided. I really was hoping to not meet him. Can I be honest? I wanted to mow his lawn and just go, (laughs) mow this lawn, he'll never know. But now he knows, and he knows when I'm home. And he extended his hand one last time, and he said, Jeff, I just wanna thank you for being a good neighbor. And I said, Jerry, I don't really think I'm a good neighbor. And he said, no. He said, you're the only guy that has talked to me in the neighborhood. And in that moment, I quickly realized that it is better being generous and it is better being a servant than it is being somebody all shut up in my own world and I got control of that, amen? And God wants to use us to be a good neighbor. Well, you're preparing to receive a generous Feed One offering and commitment today. Disaster, agriculture, women's empowerment. I'm seeing the Children's Feeding Initiative There's four legs that hold that table up, but really, just like the woman's offering, she brought this to Jesus, she gave her best, she did what she could do, she gave what she had. And in the same way, your Feed One offering will fill lives with food, God's love, and hope. And we give so others can simply live. Well, there's four chairs. This chair belongs to the hard working dad whose hands are like leather and cracked and he's tired and he's worried and he's not sure where it's gonna come from next. This is the mom who's always tired, always trying to be up to make everybody happy and take care of the family, the CEO of the family. This could be the son or daughter that comes to the table in hopes that there's a hot meal. And they're gonna run to the table because they don't don't go get their own food. That's to be provided for them. People are providing for them in that moment, this family. But then there's a fourth chair. This is your chair. That's my chair. Because without that fourth person sitting at the chair, there is no hope setting the table. There are no four legs to that table because you're part of making a difference and making a huge impact in the life of a child. Why? That child feeding program opens the door to the rest of that family. So today, as you fill out a Feed One card, do this. Say, would I do this for my kids? Would I do this for my own children? You feed your kids, right? You feed your grandkids, right? I do. Why wouldn't I do it for other kids? in the world that have need today. And that's your chair and that's my chair. You help make hope set the table, a convoy of hope through Feed One. The who is you, the time is now. And today, here's the promise we stand on, Proverbs 11:24. The world of the generous grows larger and larger. The world of the stingy grows smaller and smaller. So feeding kids, giving hope, sharing Jesus more than ever before, this mission and we're honored to be one of the few strategic partners that Timber Creek has at Convoy of Hope but you're making a huge difference through Feed One. So sponsoring a Feed One child, one for each family member you have or for every child you have or for each grandchild you have. You let the Lord direct you and lead you today as you begin this. Some of you can do more than others. Do what the Lord lays on your heart and do what you have faith to do today. God's gonna give you faith. After this video, Pastor Jeremy's gonna come and walk through these cards today as you have the opportunity to support a child or to support multiple children to provide food, water, and critical supplies and a clear message of the gospel. We're gonna go today from consumers to contributors. So today, thank you, Timber Creek Church, for letting hope set the table. God bless you.